Cool. Well, Nathaniel, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. It's an absolute pleasure. First things first, straightforward. How's your day going? Uh, good. Good. Yeah. As it could be. I'm still alive. So that's great. I woke up today and got out of bed. Uh, but yeah, I'm good. Had some breakfast. I uh, went for a little jog, you know, get my heart going. And Brooklyn, right? New York, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of based out of Brooklyn. I actually ended up moving to New Jersey uh, in last fall um, due to a housing issue where my ceiling collapsed in July. Uh, and <laughs> my girlfriend and I had drove out west to go check out Yellowstone and just kind of get the fuck out of Brooklyn. Um and like take some space yeah which was surreal to say the least between politics and pandemic of driving across america uh oh for sure you know it was one of those things where like as soon as we left the absolute liberal bubble pandemic wise and politically of new york city and started going west and we're both from the midwest like from detroit originally driving across the country was just like oh my god should we have even done this oh really you know? but at the same time i look at it it's like what a great time to travel to go see not just where you're at and see how the country is operating um during probably the biggest at least direct health crisis that's ever affected the country during our lifetime oh for sure see how the rest of the country's working versus just watching it on tv through a filtered lens of whoever wants to portray it whatever way they want to you know yeah of course we're, we're we're two different countries here you know so whatever you hear about the uk you're gonna get through a lens of media and likewise what we have you know from our perspective what we hear about the us and so on is you're on fire basically and no one knows how to put you out kind of thing yeah. i mean that's not totally wrong <laughs> it's a, i think potentially a good fire that you know some of it needs to get burned out uh, but the long answer to your question is, yeah, ceiling collapse, moved to New Jersey, live in the burbs. It's great because, you know, we have doors in our, our house. So, like, we can go in separate rooms and stuff now. Oh, that's good. That's good. And, I mean, you brought it up already, I suppose. And aside from ceiling collapse and moving and all that, how else have you, how have you been holding up during this entire pandemic period? What is now over a year's worth of restrictions and uh, so on? Do you want my public relation answer or my honest answer? Well, you tell me. Which one do you want to keep in the video? <laughs> I fucking love it, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, let, me, let me preface it by, I think where we're at globally, especially, again, I can only speak for my country, but having friends that live over, all over the world, it's been very fascinating talking to like, people's experiences and based on how the government's handling, how the people around them are handling. Um, I think for you and I and those of us that aren't relying on a cult or a religion or any sort of group to give us hope, you mm -hmm. know, our, our fetishism is music, right? That's why mm -hmm. we're talking right now. Music, art, whatever. Um, relying on that to get you through has been something very fascinating to me. But part of that is also as an adult how do you just sit down and be like okay i have to adapt to this situation does that mean i can't go take pictures of bands or play music mm. yeah that means i can't do that i don't know how long so rather than sitting around and crying about that i'm gonna pour my time into other things 
So for me personally, and I can only speak about me, and this is something I've struggled with kind of in the last year, given that I don't have children, but have plenty of friends that do. I am fortunate to have worked hard in my life to get to where I'm at now that has provided me a very kind of comfortable way of dealing with a lot of this stuff. Again, also like, I don't really have any responsibilities other than to my girlfriend and making sure I stay alive. Um, that the last year has provided me with a blank canvas to just go buck wild and wake up every day and be like, okay, so today, because I don't have to go to work, I don't have to be concerned about the rat race of getting ahead because we're all kind of in the same even playing field. I just have devoted the last year to like being as creative as possible because not only does it give me something to be proud of when I'm on the other side of all of this, but it also keeps my head straight of not just wallowing in like the what if, what if, what if, and when if things are going to like be normal again. Shit's never going to be normal again. Mm. Um, but what do you do with that? You move forward and you adapt. That's not so easy for everybody. I just am extremely grateful. I, <clears throat> in recent years, have gotten to a mental stasis of accepting that I have to keep moving forward versus like wallowing in the past, which I admit was something that I kind of struggled with for a majority of my life. Um, that it's a waste of time to sit around and cry versus like go outside. What, what do you have the opportunity to do right now that you've never had because, and I only speak for like people who don't have jobs, you know, like obviously like a lot of people are still working, working from mm. home and it kind of sucks kids, whatever I get all that. But like you have the opportunity to leave your house and just go check out the world and through a different view. Like why, why would you not take advantage of that? Mm. Uh, so I, you know, my bias of all of this is like, I've spent the year recording music, painting, exploring every idea that kind of has popped in my head because I've had the time to do that. And I really have tried to use the last year to be as proactive and productive as possible because I kind of think it's a gift in a certain way to take a step back and like evaluate what, what's important. You know, if I didn't have to go to work every day yeah. because I had a financial means to just frankly fuck off and do whatever I wanted, how would I spend my time doing that? Would I just like, you know, smoke weed and watch movies all day? <laughs> no, like, I mean, I, that's boring to me. Well, I love enjoying that, but like there is a boundless world that I can go take pictures of or songs I can write or like, I, you know, I just tried to be as proactive as possible. You're a rare, you're you're a rare person in this sort of conversation because most of the Heard time that. it is a conversation based around the restrictions and uh, the sure. effect it's had on, uh, whether it be mentality, but on a professional side of things. When you're a musician, the effect it's obviously had on that side of things. Sure. In that regards, on the professional side of things, when it comes to your music, have you noticed a massive change in uh, how you're you're being how you're pushing yourself out there? Uh, I think musically and artistically, you know, I, I've been photographing music for over 20 years, mm. uh, dabbled in painting, dabbled in writing, but you know, that's turned into another way to make some money and create art is, you know, I've been painting a lot, been doing these like weird alien stained glass paintings and 
people like them and I've been able to sell them on the oh, internet. That's cool. Yeah, which is cool. Uh, but, you know, to get, get to your question, um, I'm totally spacing out. <laughs> I just totally <laughs> lost track of that. So when it comes to basically Nath- Nath- um, Nathaniel Shannon and the Vanishing Twin, that that Pacific block there, how has it affect? How has it affected that the pandemic? Yeah, it's. I mean, I've been able to promote myself and dedicate more time to that in yeah. the last year than I ever have because of maybe I'm not tired because I have to go to work or I'm not tired because of this. I have nothing to do besides be like, hey man, uh, or not man, hey 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 people out there um check out what i'm doing because you don't have anything to do either so you know you might as well spend some time and not just tell me you're going to check me out but actually do it um not being able to play shows is a bummer but Mm. like i'm not i enjoy playing live you know like don't get me wrong but i really enjoy like writing and the problem solving that comes with like piecing together recording and especially doing that a majority of the time remotely from home to begin with and then now having to do that hasn't been any sort of a change for me Mm. uh but it's just given me more time to like sit and and kind of tinker um which is kind of I don't know I I hate to be like I don't want the world to ever go back because I I don't want to come across that way but like I secretly I kind of love all like having to not feel like I'm competing ever and I can just like make stuff and be like here you go you into it no okay cool maybe next time I get it it's a bit of an awkward one isn't it because um you know there's so much negativity surrounding it that you kind of the positive stories that might come out of it be it and you hear it all the time, particularly when we do interviews, even if we're talking with bands who are regularly on the road, regularly and rely heavily on that, have praised the fact that maybe they've had an extra three months to sit down and spend longer on an album, spend longer doing this and doing that. And there are these positives, but you almost feel yeah. guilty about saying those. Yeah, I, I don't rely on touring to make money. Of so course. I'm not as, I guess what I would consider to be as serious about music as people who are professionally touring, uh, which I have a lot of friends of who I've had conversations with that run the gamut of life sucks. I don't want to do this anymore to, I kind of feel guilty as you were saying, because now I have way more time to tinker with what I'm doing. Mm. And it's been kind of an interesting break to just put what was going to be on pause. And now turn it into what will be by crafting a new thing um i think we're already starting to see a lot of people's quarantine records and projects being released that are of varying quality of course as music always is but there's a lot of really cool shit starting to come come out and i think it's because people who had like maybe you know 60 percent of a great idea are now having like a 90 percent of a great <laughs> idea because they've had time to to tinker with stuff yeah, modern technology really helps as well. The amount of lockdown oh, yeah. projects we've seen kind of prop up, not long-term things, but just a couple of different band members getting together and remotely creating uh, an EP and throwing it out there. We've seen so much of that in the last year. Which is awesome, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I, I, my take on like the pandemic especially, it's like, as much as things suck, imagine trying to do with this like 20 years ago. Mm. Uh, where yeah. 
would it well let me rephrase that a little bit where would would be be where we are globally with um the conspiratorial issues if if this was 20 years ago eh, arguably not but uh for entertainment purposes of like creativity uh living in the future currently is kind of i think lended itself to be a very productive thing for a lot of people if they choose to go that route you know. Yeah, yeah, we've got all we we can slam the streaming services and the YouTubes and all that, but without them at the moment, uh, we'd be in a bit of a mess in regards yeah. to music. Uh, for example, um, my buddy Bill Saunders, who's an old Detroit homie, he was in a fantastic band called the Nan Rouge, which everybody should check out. Very dead guy influenced. He and I actually had started in the fall of 2019 working on producing a documentary about the band Dead Guy of New Jersey, America. Um, and we had a handful of interviews lined up and it was going to be, you know, like not a full length thing, but just kind of like a quick biopic, um, and with the band's blessing specifically. And, you know, we got a couple interviews under our belt and had these grandiose ideas and then the pandemic hit and we were forced with, well, how do we continue making a music documentary when we can't go talk to the people who are going to be in the music documentary? And we learned really quickly that like Zoom was, what's up Zoom? You want to sponsor me? Uh, or my friend Carl here. Um, what a great tool of taking what would be a 30 minute project and now is going to end up being a full length film because we could talk to people from all over the world about the subject matter and we didn't have to go to them. I specifically was slightly concerned with what the quality of that would be as far as like video and audio interviews. But uh, years ago, the Melvins released, or somebody made a documentary about the Melvins, which I still don't know if it's like that's publicly available, but I went to a streaming of it. And what was so cool about it, it was like, was that it was like the most punk rock documentary I've ever seen of like VHS footage, cell phone interviews. It looked like garbage, but it fit the vibe and the ethos of that band being yeah. the most DIY touring band ever, it fit them perfectly. So when back to the dead guy thing, we kind of had the same conversation with like doing the zoom thing aesthetically, I think fits what that band was so much and what a kind of cool time capsule of um, where we're at right now as a society dealing with how we reevaluate how we communicate mm -hmm. uh did yeah. you happen to see um i know like you're a horror buff too did you happen to see the movie uh host oh host the um zoom only horror movie yeah. about 70 minutes long on shudder that's right um it was it's like an hour it's like a full-length movie yeah yeah that's right yeah did you see that yeah you have seen that yeah uh, I thought that that, I mean, I love found footage movies to begin with, because I think mm. it's, well, a lot of them are redundant and kind of terrible. Like, what a cool canvas to play with. Uh, mm. As far as, like, there are way less rules of, like, what quality has to be just versus, like, an interesting story. Um, I thought that movie was fantastic, simply because you wrote, produced, filmed, and uh, exported a documentary about the pandemic during the pandemic. <laughs> it was very clever. Uh, and I thought just like, what a cool idea. Does that have to be like the most amazing thing? No, but like what a cool time capsule for the period that like that 
execution of like a zoom haunting if you will three years ago like would have been like i don't who gives a shit about this yeah that's pretty upset i don't have the understanding of this environment to like make this be like oh shit that's real what (laughs) if like while you were talking to me right now something just like floated beyond beyond my head like how creepy that would be you know (laughs) so i think there's a lot of cool stuff being made based around uh where we're at yeah yeah it'll be interesting to sort of see what happens over the next uh the remainder of the year really as countries sure. and so on begin to sort of come out of lockdowns and and potentially get back to normal we shall see watch that space so you give us a little bit of history in regards Bye, to history. your musical path and what led to the creation of nathaniel shannon and the vanishing twin uh i've always played music mm-hmm. I grew up outside of Detroit, Michigan, originally um, in the suburbs and got sucked into the local music scenes as a teenager. Uh, Was fortunate enough to have my camera with me. Uh, Started shooting bands real early on in my life. Um, Shooting film, running around Detroit, doing hood rat shit. And it played in various incarnations of, I guess, kind of more aggressive music. super ink and dagger drive like jehu fan and botch you know like all that stuff really wanted to like kind of rip that off and yeah none of those really worked out um and over the years it's just you know i kind of my songwriting styles changed based on influences and i kind of based on being at home it's it's a lot harder to write aggressive music when it's just you by yourself true uh, and, not only the energy you feed off of other people but just like limitations of um you know i my rhythm is terrible so like if i'm gonna play fast aggressive music it's nice to have like somebody keeping time for me uh so i would say about 12 years ago what became this vanishing twin type project kind of started to birth itself out of I moved to New York City uh, and ended up, my girlfriend at the time was a soul singer and she had like a Tascam digital eight track. And I just kind of started recording these song skeletons that were influenced by uh, a different array of of audio sounds that I really appreciated Mm. Um, and just kind of started experimenting with that. I didn't really have any interest in pursuing that beyond just like a bedroom recording. Uh, But Jonathan and Eric from Akala Lamb, who are old, old friends of mine that I met when I kind of first moved to New York city had started the label and they were really encouraging and trying to push me to like do something with these, like, I guess folkish, creepy like folk songs yeah uh and it's just i kind of found fell into like a songwriting niche of like the more i did it the more i understood how that world could operate for me or i could operate that world of of songwriting um that has just kind of taken me in this different path that i didn't really ever have any interest necessarily in pursuing outside of self-fulfilling like getting these ideas out of my head um 
and what I really like about where this has taken me is there is a lot of influence of different genres that don't necessarily fit what I'm doing mm. that I try to incorporate. Um, you know, I was fixated on like 90s hip hop as a, as a kid. Um, as well as, you know, the grunge explosion and, mm. you know, liking Metallica and like whatever, you know, there, there was just like this melting pot that I'd never really grown out of, of where I grew up in Detroit. Uh, there was a, a radio station in Canada called 89X that was like right across the river from Detroit. And they were essentially a college radio station with like major broadband um, span. And there was like a huge music explosion in, in Canada in the 90s uh, that was played to us on the radio. On top of like, you know, I would hear the Catherine wheel on the radio, oh. like regularly, like all eight minutes of Black Metallic, <laughs> just on the radio. That was like normal to me growing up. I didn't realize that the rest of the country didn't have that experience where it's like, you know, you'd hear Maiden and then the Catherine Wheel back to back and then some Canadian bands all mixed together. So like I got super into, uh, you know, English shoegaze and Canadian, I guess, shoegaze influenced alternative rock in the early mm. 90s at a really young age. Um, and that had a huge impact, I think, even to what I'm doing. I mean, I admittedly you know, my biggest influences, I think, for the Vanishing Twin Project are the Catherine Wheel, uh, Cult of Luna, uh, and Mark Lanigan. Oh, wow. Okay. So that last, Cult of Luna, I get that last one. Whoa. Okay. No. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I loved the Screaming Trees as a kid. And mm. then Lanigan started doing his solo stuff, which I think is just, I think he's one of the best crooners of our generation. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, I'm never going to be that good of a singer, but I love the pop sensibility of what he was doing in minor keys mixed with the atmosphere of the Catherine wheel mixed with, you know, especially being fortunate to grow in Detroit, like the influence of like Jay Dilla and like Detroit hip hop mm. uh, mixed with, you know, like I, I think the chronic by Dr. Dre was a formative record for me of my introduction to like g-funk hip-hop which has played a huge influence on like the way i think about songwriting as far as like the, it being loops you know so it's like this weird melting pot of all these things coming together and through me and like my sentiment and personality crapped out into this i don't know like weird creepy little thing that i still don't personally know how to describe what i'm doing other than it's just uh in a weird way like probably the most honest thing i've ever made because it's just this is purely a stream of consciousness of like my love of all these different genres of music kind of pressed together yeah i love the fact that you say yourself it's not easy this is not something you can pigeonhole and one of the most intriguing things i read uh regarding yourself while looking around and it was these words, pondering what heavy music would be like if it wasn't heavy. And do you remember yeah, yeah. saying that or writing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I love mean, that statement. And 
to me, that's a really good summation. Perhaps if you needed someone said to me, how do you describe this? I think I would use that statement, so to speak. Heavy music without necessarily being what you think heavy music is. Would, would, is that your kind of way of sum, summar, summarizing it? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, I'm a big fan of juxtapositions and everything that I do. Uh, and taking metal ideas, hmm. be it lyrical content, or even song structures and applying them through not playing them. Like, I don't need to scream at you about murder or <laughs> true crime or ghosts or aliens or like whatever I want to write about or like personal experience. I don't need to scream that at you. No. But I can take how that's written and delivered and kind of change it into this uh, less aggressive format of you know i don't i never really had any interest in playing metal yeah though like i'm a super fan of it love photographing it never really had any interest in playing it but i can take the ideas of what that is and just do something different with it um which has kind of been a big goal once i took this songwriting project a little more seriously it's a big goal of like how do i take like my love of the Friday undying love of the Friday the 13th franchise, even Jason takes Manhattan, which I think even. is my favorite. It's my favorite out of the whole movies, even though it's like totally a garbage ass movie. But like, how do I take that and apply it through me not screaming that at you, but like singing these weird folk songs that you may not necessarily realize that that's what those songs are about, you know? Mm. Well, those inspirations as well, because we'll talk about the three, uh, the three mothers now released Halloween 2020, obviously inspired by Agento's Three Mothers trilogy, Suspiria, Inferno, and Mother of Tears. Now, that that alone there is mind-boggling because that's a lot of content, a lot of detail to inspire someone, but it's also distilled into three tracks. Give us some idea of how you kind of worked, what you wanted to express from those movies into your music. Sure. Uh, I love Argento. Mm -hmm. I love, you know, the Italians were just how beautiful all those films are. Um, stylistically yeah and I've all I've been a fan of those for you know as long as I can remember um, and several years ago again due to spatial limitations of living in Brooklyn at the time having a practice space that's a 45 minute on a train ride away um, I started experimenting a lot more with doing like MIDI recording and I just had these like three weird soundscapes of loose structures that were like all keyboard um and i frankly like was re-watching inferno for the whatever millionth time and it just kind of dawned on me like oh shit there's three movies there's three movies i've got these three songs structure scapes soundscapes if you will um that don't really fit with like the regular thing i was trying to write uh so let's just put those together each song's a movie there we go super mm. simple um, and there's really nothing more to it than that. Uh, and it just kind of worked out that ironically, ironically, then the Suspiria remake came out. Uh, so I think that that has brought more attention to those three movies um, mm. as far as people maybe being a little more aware of them if they weren't before. Um, and it, I think kind of fits the vibe of those movies 
if you know to me especially with like the couple videos we've done for the record yeah if i close my eyes and listen to those songs i have a very giallo uh visual representation of hearing those songs in my head um which i think had they not been so keyboard heavy in that direction of where they ended up i don't know if i would feel the same way but uh yeah that's really it it was just like let's let's just make the songs a a, a concept record around that trilogy because it's a cool story to begin with um i'm not going to pretend that mother of tears personally is a, a, a good movie because it's not but uh <laughs> you know the idea of what the story is supposed to the be grander the thing is conclusion cool. of the trilogy is, is i just thought was cool you know uh i i get obsessed with concepts sometimes more than allows me to actually like finish projects um but i just thought it was like a cool concept for uh giving some some voice to this like voiceless material at the time well there's no arguing that it's a very attention grabbing concept and horror in general then does that serve as a, a a lot of inspiration when it comes to writing yeah sure um i've always been a true car crime nut uh my dad was a police officer growing up wow i think that i was exposed to a lot of um elements of societal deviation at a young age um which has just kind of always been a fascination of you know like why do we love horror movies to begin with because well, mm. it's it's fantasy for a lot of the material you know is rooted in fantasy and it's just fun you know in a very adolescent way and i've never really grown out of that i don't think a lot of us have that are fans of 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 the genre uh that it's just fun it's exciting it's scary so like why not incorporate those elements into the songwriting too um i think that there's a a big um complement of the music to even like my own photography work that's like very heavily stylized after horror movies and appreciating that you know it does you don't have to have everything looks slick to like get your uh, emotion and point across of like what you are delivering as a as a product um in that genre specifically mm. i think which is like can, there's a lot of wiggle room in there um so it's been like a huge influence uh be it storytelling or um just song ideas in general is there a particular style of horror that you find you're drawn to the most or that you enjoy the most? E.g., are you heavy on the supernatural? Do you like your slashes? Is there a particular decade perhaps you go go towards? Uh, I'm a big slasher fan. I mean, how many times can you just remake a dude stalking people, <laughs> trying to kill them for whatever reason, over and over and over again? It's endlessly fascinating to me. Uh, 80 slashers, I mean, are without a doubt i think my favorite and there's like an endless bucket of movies that were made during that decade that mm. like i feel like i've seen a lot like a lot countless months and years spent watching those and like i'm not even like haven't even like broached seeing everything that i could digest from that decade um 
and I, I think part of the fascination of that genre specifically to stylizing artwork or storytelling is maybe there's a supernatural element to what that uh, stalker character is, but how did they end up in that position? Mm. What happened? Was it forced into a family situation, extraneous trauma? You know, what pushed them to the point to like being that creep? It's kind of always been a fascinating concept to me of um, psychological people's own psychological development and like what drives them to get to certain points okay Uh, as i mentioned before i love the found footage genre just because like there's so much you could do with it that Mm. uh you know back to the the host um film and you and i just sitting and talking over zoom right now uh you know i can see what do you got a a cat behind you yeah she's on that chair that's right (laughs) that's a cat but what if that wasn't a cat? <laughs> what if I was just like, oh my God, Carl, what, did, what is that behind you? Oh, dude, I'm a home alone. <laughs> do you need a, a slick production to share that like, oh my God, what did I see? You're the one that's now dealing with it. And now we have this relationship based in fear, mm-hmm. based on where we, how we communicate in 2021. I think it's just like a really effective way of, you know, uh, I loved the movie Megan is Missing that came out several years ago because it's just teenage girls who are super annoying the way that they talk to each other over cell phones, the way that they realistically talk to each other. I thought was brilliant and really effective of like, yeah, this is what it's like to be a 15 year old girl mm-hmm. and talk to your 15 year old girlfriend. Meanwhile, there's this dude in the background that's like lurking you and trying to cut you up and put you in a garbage bin somewhere. Uh, I just thought it was like really effective use of like modern technology um, that is applicable to like everyday communication, you know? So you've not reached a a level as a horror movie fan, you've not reached a cynical level where you feel like you've seen everything done already. And because of that, you, you're kind of stuck with just the classics rather than moving forward. Um, I think that there's so much back catalog. I don't see how anybody would get tired of it uh you know i feel the same way about music you know my musical tastes have changed over the years but as they change there's you know the 10 or 20 bands of a certain genre that i'll get really into but then there's the 10 or 20 bands that came before that era and then before that era that it's like the amount of material is like endless yeah so yeah i don't necessarily keep up as much on like what is current obviously there's like shutter and a host of other arrow and like a, a host of other streaming sites that mm. is is cool for that um there's some gems in there but like back catalog of like all horror or music genres is like it's endless man especially what you actually have access to find without like getting into tape trading and like file sharing of like and even then it's just that just opens up even more doors and windows yeah, for you to go to um so I'm kind of all over the place of, uh, you know, I would just whatever comes in front of me is kind of, I guess, where my interests peak at that point in time. Well, then the big question has to be, what is your favorite horror movie of all time? Oh, Today. Yeah. <laughs> Today? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the movie Pieces is one of my absolute favorite slasher films. Wow, yeah. Uh, 
and again like i undyingly love the friday the 13th franchise as far as like more mainstream horror mm. um but i think pieces pieces is just such a weird movie um i i years ago when i was like a teenager into young adult i worked at uh in in the midwest in the, in the states there's a store chain called meyer which is like kind of like walmart but like not as trashy uh <laughs> and i worked in the one hour photo lab there for a couple years and they had these like bargain bins of movies where you would have like three or four movies on like one dvd oh yeah yeah and then you could get three of those dvds for like 10 bucks uh and i acquired a huge stack of those dvds from working there and one of the movies on there was pieces i think another one on the same dvd was like the beyond um you know uh at the time i got turned on to like dementia 13 and like carnival of souls which i think carnival of souls is also like one of the most beautifully shot mm. you know kind of spooky supernatural movies um so th i just had like access to all these you know and i just drink 40s and like watch all these horror movies i acquired but pieces is the one that always set up stuck out to me i think the gore is great uh i love i love the outline of of the killer um i don't i that, that one just always stuck with me and resonated and it's interesting in like recent years i think there's a huge resurgence of like respect of that movie uh be it like bootleg merchandising on the internet um, yeah like i don't i'm trying to i think it was like rotten cotton or like you know some social media like bootleg site had pieces shirts and it was the first time i ever saw like a shirt online i was like oh my god i was like i have to buy all of those just because i've loved this movie since i was a teenager that i don't really know anybody who ever saw it and as horror has like exploded in recent years of again bootlegging and like reissues of stuff and streaming um that one i i've like been super i mean even to this day if like i see a new company that's made like any sort of pieces merchandise i always buy it including the replication of um the there's a company messed up puzzles i don't know if you're familiar with them okay they do like puzzles of like horror movie posters uh and they did so in pieces, the beginning of the movies is like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but a um, little kid like putting together this porno puzzle. That's why right, yeah. catches him and he hacks her up with an axe. Uh, so they got the original photo that was shot for the movie to make the puzzle. And they recreated the puzzle that the kid's putting together as the movie. And I saw that and was like, that's so cool. Like, I can't not own so it. So unique. How clever. Um, but I love the Friday the 13th stuff. You know, it's just the creepy stalker element of like not knowing who's looking at you through your window, you know, which I think comes from like a childhood fear of like, you know, like growing that. up as a kid in the 80s, there was like a huge scare of like being kidnapped. I feel like as a kid, that was just shoved down your throat of like, you know, if you see something, say something to a parent, like there's, there's kids out there that, you know, there's, democratic satanic child molesters everywhere um that that i think as an adult led to this like innate fear of like people looking at me <laughs> through my window you know even jason x though even when he's looking through you in a space yeah. station yeah that movie i watched that not too long ago man what a piece of shit movie that was oh it's good fun now it's good fun it's it, it fun. knows it's silly yeah yeah 
I mean, where else can you take Jason besides space? Absolutely. We didn't get to go to space, you know? Yeah, and eventually I think all franchises go there. Leprechaun's been in space. Critters have been in space. The only thing we're missing is maybe, well, Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers. Garfield kids came from space, which makes no fucking sense. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's good fun. All right, man, um, change tack then. Social media and all that aspect of it, that part and parcel of being a musician and the requirement that you must be always active in some way, posting about yourself, your personal life and so on. Is this an aspect that you like or is it one of those where it's kind of, it's a necessary evil and I have to do it to kind of promote my music? I go back and forth on this so Mm. much. Um, There is my buddy Damien who... uh, in the band as friends rust and he's also got a solo project called damien dunn that is in the same wheelhouse as mine um so we bounce a lot of ideas off of each other we've also done some recording together but we bounce this idea off of each other constantly is constant conversation of like hmm. what works what do people pay attention to what people don't pay attention to and how much do i actually give a shit about any of this uh i don't need the adoration but it's nice to be patted on the head when i pour a lot of time and energy into making something Mm -hmm. and then people respond to it so the fact that anybody such as yourself isn't giving a shit about talking to me about it is awesome to me because i didn't really intend for any of this to go anywhere other than i just had these ideas and i put them on tape and you know oh cool people dig it awesome uh i guess i'll keep doing it um but attaching yourself to a the brand or trying to create a brand for social media is I fucking hate it. Yeah. Hate it. But at the same time, it's an interesting game of reevaluating and understanding marketing and how to grab people's attention in a world where nobody has an attention span. Mm. It's fascinating. Um, I think again, it would be very easy to be like, I think this is stupid because everybody should just care about things the way I care about it is a waste of time versus, okay, nobody cares about anything because they don't have the attention span to care about anything. How do I put myself in front of them for a quick second where they may or may not like something I do, which may lead to them actually listening or looking at something I do? Yeah. Uh, it's a struggle. I I think it's dumb. I'd rather spend my time hiking and like looking at trees and like appreciating being alive, but it's a necessary evil. Yeah. At the same time to deliver content if you will to people who are so content driven, which again I think is an interesting parallel to just like the consumerism culture of globally like people really are is are they looking at art because they actually care like what anybody's doing or because it might lead to some character armor they can repost or buy or you know fill a void in their own lives i don't know i don't know i don't know why anybody does what they do (laughs) it's um it's an ever-changing world. The algorithms trying to keep up with it. It's uh, it, it's white people love algorithms. Oh, uh, I man, I gotta look this up really quick because I thought that um, 
there was this hip-hop dude uh and i'm forgetting his name uh oh this is dude chris crack who is like a newer rapper yeah uh, i a, a buddy sent me his record and like i i kind of dug into it um it's cool there's some cool ideas there but he put out a record called white people love algorithms which i thought was like the fucking funniest album title of just like man white people really do love algorithms uh and i say that as as a white guy who like gets obsessed with like why don't people pay attention to my algorithm um it just makes me laugh like every time i think about it because you brought it up you, yeah just saying you saying the word algorithm makes me laugh because i'm like yeah i hate to admit that that's totally a thing that we all who are producing anything have to pay, kind of pay attention to yeah it's the difference between paying attention though and becoming slaves to said algorithm and obsessing sure. over yeah. it fair 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 uh i try not to obsess over it because it that's an endless black hole oh yeah yeah uh, there's no winning it'll check because the joke is you'll you'll learn or you'll think you get it and a month later it'll bloody change yeah the benefit though as i get older and try to be more optimistic about <laughs> adapting to everything around me is with the ever-changing algorithm system and fighting for people's attention does that make you then reevaluate how you create and kind of push you to like be fresh mm. and continually grow and that's something in the, in the angle i've kind of been thinking about recently of like okay i got this music i did maybe it worked maybe it didn't here's a series of pictures i took that maybe people responded to maybe they didn't uh paintings whatever the medium is how do i push myself to not just keep doing the same thing over and over again and get out of my own personal creative ruts and try something different maybe it's for the appeal of an audience or maybe it's just like well i already did this thing so many times over and over again why don't i try something new or deviation of that maybe people will respond to it even if they don't i still tried something new and like kept myself adapting as well with my own creative output uh i don't know that i would necessarily have as serious of a driving force to like constantly reevaluate and adapt my own uh uh creativity yeah. if social media didn't exist so i kind of try and take that as like a positive like fire under my ass of like continual motion yeah, it's a really, really strong way to put it. Is there something you kind of that encourages that creativity? Yeah, it's also really exhausting and I hate it. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> All right, Nathaniel, last question then. What is going on musically with you these days? What do fans have to look forward to? What do you want to talk about that you can talk about or reveal? Sure. Uh, so I just put out um, a 44-page art zine and concept tape with another project I had uh called suspects which was a, a a project i started like 10 years ago mm. and the story behind this record is that i've been playing with a couple people and i found this notebook of of just this random collage art and i had shown it to the other band members and we kind of started writing these songs around uh, around the stuff i had found and the one band member had gone missing after a camping trip um and he had the only recording of these original records right and so that 
was a situation that just kind of put a, a, a big deterrent on moving forward with that project. And last year I unearthed the recordings of, of, of the um, previous gatherings of, of recording and you know, I, I put it all together and we released it um, a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago. Mm. Uh, and the project is called Suspects and it's a zine and cassette tape. The cassette tapes are all sold out, but I still have a handful of copies of the zine. It was limited to a um, hundred copies. Um, within refinding all that tapes too, I had met up with um, my friend, Sean Haim, who is in a band from Detroit called Thoughts Ionesco that were from the 90s that were very much in the pre-Dillinger tech, uh, technical metal, uh, mm -hmm. hardcore crossover. Um, really fantastic band that never kind of really got a lot of due outside of outside of the Detroit area. And I had approached him and asked him if he would sing on these songs, and he did. Um, so this is much more for fans of like Dead Guy and Snapcase and like 90s coalesce kind of like, you know, it's kind of to me is like very dead guy meets Jesus lizard, um, way more aggressive than like my, my own solo stuff. But uh, people can check that out. I'm so excited and elated to like have that kind of exercise from things that hang over my head of execution. Um, and then as far as like the vanishing twin stuff, I've got a four song ambient record that I'm working on wrapping up that I plan to release also with um, an art book of some sort of like uh, accompanying photographs. So it's kind of um, a soundscape of visual accompaniment to nice. that, that body of photo work. Uh, I'm in the process of recording a full length, doing that remotely with uh, some of the guys that I've been playing with live and like other friends around the country. Uh, no idea when that's going to be wrapped up hopefully sooner than later um but again having the pandemic to kind of like work on that suspects record work on the ambient record i can just set aside like okay this month this is what i'm gonna do this is how i'm gonna spend my free time just like working on these projects um so i've got the full length uh there's also a 90s covers conceptual record um of like a couple 90s r&b songs like there's going to be an Aaliyah cover on there uh i love 90s r&b as well um and just some of you know as i mentioned that detroit or a canadian radio station earlier that i listened to in detroit uh they just went off the air oh wow last fall which i haven't listened to that radio station 20 years because it turned into like new metal and then that turned into like stained and like it just never progressed beyond like 1999 <laughs> uh, then there was like the bullshit emo explosion and like it just it was it was trash but they went off the air recently and it, it was emotionally devastating to me in a way where i didn't expect a radio station going off the air that i have not listened to in 20 years but was so formative to my audio development as a youth i didn't think i would react to that but it was like like a friend died like it was yeah. super bummer to like listen to the last song the very first song they ever played in like 1990 with jane's addiction they ended it with the same song it's a cool bookend yeah given that you know for the last 20 years it's just been like oh cool you guys are playing the same red hot chili pepper song <laughs> in stain still um 
it was kind of a bummer. And I started texting with like uh, Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder, old buddy. We grew up, you know, in Detroit together. And we started reminiscing about like, man, there was like Mystery Machine from Canada and Pure from Canada and the Catherine Wheel and this band and that band that we all grew up listening to, even though our paths all went in like all these other directions that I wanted to take a couple of deep cuts from there and like reimagine them through Ooh. like my songwriting. Yeah, yeah. Also with like my love of, you know, like Aaliyah and Tony, Tony, Tony and Bobby Brown and like 90s R&B, like, because I love all that stuff too. Um, and kind of compile them into this like tribute of like, these are songs that don't sound anything like what I'm writing, mm. but had a massive influence on why I play music now. So I'm reimagining them. Uh, I have no idea when that's going to be done either, but I'm pretty excited uh, to kind of, it's like kind of my tribute to that, you know, radio station, if you will. Because I, I think, especially for us growing up in the Detroit area, I mean, the amount of bands of so many different genres, the amount of artists of so many different genres that like really were influenced by this radio station is insane yeah and we all kind of start talking about it uh because it was such a cool unique place to grow up and hear that stuff that you know a lot of people in the states just didn't have access to what you know besides what was on mtv uh or unless you lived in like los angeles and new york with like these kind of more independent yet massive radio stations yeah it just didn't have access to like you know because there was no spotify there's no streaming of course where I could be like, here's a list of bands to check out. And you just immediately go do it. It's like, mm. oh, there's this band I heard on the radio last night. And then you just stay glued next to the speaker for days because you want to hear the song that your buddy recommended that may or not, may not be like totally terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've got um, a lot going on, basically. Yeah. I try and keep myself as busy as possible to keep, you know, keep myself focused and moving forward. It's super exciting stuff to hear. Nathaniel, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks for having me. I would love to anytime. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash gbhbl as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?